So how do we fill the sky and how do we drain the, the ocean dry? Well, the answer is, is in our text for today. It's Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 through 12, where we spent all of the week devoted to God, using as a, as a reference. And it says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brother has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. The way that we write Everything that needs to be written about the love of God is through the words of our mouth. Through the actions of our life. We write the story by being a witness of who Christ has been in you and through you. It's by the words that we say. It's by the the life that we live. The decision that we make that people around us see and hear who God is. All week long we spent uh, time and, and energy, lots of time, lots of energy, seeking God, just listening for His voice, approaching Him and saying, God, Your will be done not ours. We're going to set time aside. We're going to to set our plans aside. We're going to do the things that you want to do. First and foremost, that this whole first week of January, first, first whole week of 2016. And as we did that, these verses became more and more real began to to unfold more and more all the time. At first we focused on, uh, and they conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb. That is the only way any of this works. It's only because of what Jesus did. It's only because He went to the cross. He laid down His life. And we just sang about that. He chose to honor God first and foremost with his whole life, I mean, just even back it all the way up, he agreed and chose to come to this earth. You know, the the year year of uh, doctrine that we went through in 2014, Jesus always existed. God has always existed. The Father has always existed. The Son has always existed. And the Spirit has always existed. 
Hebrews talks about how he laid down his riches. He laid down everything he had had uh, uh, claimed to, gave up everything to become one of us. I mean, that step alone, I was meditating on that this week, that choice alone to lay down everything that he was, all of the glory, all of the splendor, all of the honor, just everything that he laid down in order to be born as a baby in a barn. That alone is absolutely amazing to me. The fact that he he subjected himself daily to to a human being, parents. Think about that, kids. Jesus subjected himself to his parents. Oh, the horror. And I'm sure that Joseph and Mary were the perfect parents. Never made a mistake. Never asked them to take out the garbage or never made him clean his room. I'm sure. Yeah. Amen. I heard no amens. I'm sure they were always reasonable. But I want to go over to. I don't. I can't. can't all I can think of was a, a uh, Palestinian name. We don't want to go Palestinian. We, Jacobs. I want to go to Jacobs' house. Have you finished your homework? Well, I will. And I mean, he meant it. You know, <laughs> he, he would. If he said he'd do it, he he meant it. I want to go. To, I'll finish the homework later. No. You finish it before you go to Jacob's house. Oh, mom. More than likely, he worked for his dad. His dad was a carpenter. His, he was a carpenter. More than likely, he had to work for his dad. How many of you have ever had to work for your parent? Oh. My dad and I, I can't even tell you all of the stories about working with my dad and the, and the disagreements or the, the, you know, the different points of view that we would have. And the opportunity to decide, well, am I going to do it his way or the right way? But the Word says that He submitted Himself. And it's through what He suffered that He grew. It's through what He suffered. Do you think He suffered at the hands of His parents? Now here's your opportunity, teenagers. Do you think Jesus suffered at the hands of His parents? Yeah, He did. Do you think he suffered at the at the hands of his boss, men and women? Yes. But he submitted himself. Not to mention when he began his public ministry, and the very people that he came there to help, who should have recognized him, rejected him. 
I mean, come on. I came all the way down here. I gave up everything to bring you light, and you don't want the light. You have no desire for the light. You can't handle the light. I mean, talk about rejection. Talk about humiliation. And yet, continue to submit himself. He kept going to the synagogues and preaching. He kept allowing the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees to come and talk to him, to come and question him, to come and try to corner him. Even when they were trying to trip him up and to corner him, he still made himself available to them. Even on to the night that, that he was betrayed, he never fought the guards. He says, why do you come to me with clubs? Why do you have to come and arrest me with violence? I'd have gone, he'd have gone willingly. He did go. It says he was led as a lamb to slaughter. Even while they ridiculed him, accused him falsely, he submitted himself to the process. It says that he didn't even utter a word. He just, he just answered a few questions, but he never tried to explain himself. He never tried to, to talk his way out of it. I mean, we see all the times in the, in the, the accounts in the Gospel where they did try to do something. He just, he, you know, when it was not his time, he just walked through them. He just walked away. I mean, they're trying to throw him over the, the cliff, and it says he just walked through them. Or they'd come accusing him and trying to, to say something that, you know, that you said this and you meant that and this and that. And he, would, he wouldn't even answer their question. He would just ask them another question and completely stomp them, throw them off guard, and they'd quit. He could have done that that night. He could have. He could have stopped the whole process. And yet, he humbly did not consider his life more important than the plan and purpose of God. His whole life, from beginning, well, before the beginning, all the way past the end, he even said, I have to go. Because if I don't go, then the, then the one, the comforter, can't come. I mean, he could have stayed on the earth after receiving the glory, after, you know, I mean, all of the people that were believing him, he could have stayed and just accepted all that glory right then and there. But instead, he says, i got to go. So that the Holy Spirit can come, and when the Holy Spirit comes, He'll lead you into all truth. There was nothing about Jesus' life that was His own plan. From what we can tell. He agreed to it. He submitted Himself to it. He went along with it and he suffered the consequences for it. But none of what he did or very little of what he did would you and I su submit ourselves to? Or would we? That's the question. That's the question we have to ask now starting here at the beginning of 2016 is will you follow 
Turn with me to John. John chapter 12. Begin with verse 17. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, you see that you are gaining nothing. They're talking to themselves. They're each other. You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The context of that verse, if you look on above where that those verses are, and we'll continue to read here in just a moment, is the triumphal entry. Triumphal entry, the, the Palm Sunday that we call it, was when Jesus entered into Jerusalem and all the crowds gathered around Him and they're waving palms and they're saying, Hosanna, glory to God. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. I mean, they're just, they're in. They're in because this guy, this is the guy. I mean, they are pretty sure He's the Messiah. This is Him. And they had been following Him ever since He had raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, that was huge. That was a big deal. That was a, that was a major point in all of history. But it was a major point of His ministry, and it was a major point where the people of Israel went, that's the guy. That's Him. That's the, he's the one. And after that, he's traveling, and as he's traveling, they, he, he prepares, he says, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem. And from that time on, he, he, he was always telling his disciples, hey guys, I'm just letting you know I'm going to die. And I'm going to do it on purpose. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow them to kill me. Peter says, oh no, not you, Lord, not you. You know that whole story? Jesus said, get behind me. Why? Because it wasn't, that's the plan. The plan was he had to die on the cross. If He didn't die on the cross, we would have no reason to be here right now. We'd be lost. If He didn't obey and fulfill that part of His life, we're wasting our time. But He did do it. But it's the height of His ministry. I mean, people have been following Him for, for years, for two, three years, and they had been following Him and listening to His voice. They have been listening to His teaching. They had been, he'd been gathering momentum and the, the raising of Lazarus from the dead was the big flywheel push. I mean, whoa! That guy was dead for three days. We, so we were at his funeral. He was dead. And then we put him in the tomb. Everybody expected him to stink. And all Jesus said was, Lazarus, come forth. And he raised from the dead. Oh my goodness. From that, the word spread like, like wildfire. The word spread, and his, 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 his uh, fame began to grow daily. Did you hear? Did you hear about Jesus? 
Did you hear what he did? He's got to be the Messiah. Let's go. He's headed towards Jerusalem. I'll bet you this is it. I'll bet you this is the moment. This is the moment when he's going to declare himself. This is the time when when he's going to tell everybody he's the Messiah. This is it. This is the, the pinnacle of his ministry. I mean, we want to be there so that we can say 30, 50, 100 years from now, we were there when? We were there when Jesus came into Jerusalem and became king and, and the, the, all the Romans took off and it, hey, all the, all the prophecies fulfilled. This is the moment. At the absolute peak of his ministry, here's what he says. Verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was with who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Oh yeah. Woo. Here we go. It's time. It's time for Him to be glorified. We're at the pinnacle. Here we are, guys. We're ready. And Jesus is even saying, right now's the time. Yes! And we're here. And these guys, we're in the inner 12. I mean, He's even said that we're going to rule alongside of Him. Yes! Guys, we did it. We're here. Verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. For if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? For this purpose I have come into this earth. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered, the voice has come for your sake, not mine. At the absolute peak of his ministry, at the absolute moment of triumph, at the moment, the triumphal entry, he's walking in, everybody's singing, everybody's excited, except for the Pharisees, they know they're being replaced. They're realizing they're obsolete. And they don't like it. But everybody else is pumped. Even the Greeks are coming. The Greeks were the scholars. They were the the philosophers. They were the ones who loved to sit and and they're like, whoa, this, this guy's got the stuff. Let's talk to him. He's, he's there. He's, he's, getting, he's getting speaking uh, invitations and, and he's getting book deals. Hey, there's got to be a book in this, right? And at the absolute peak, when everybody is just revved up and ready to go, Jesus says, oh yeah, by the way, 
unless a kernel falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. Unless it falls to the earth and dies, and dies. I, I just love to put myself in those conversations or sitting in the crowd and listening to that. And you see the momentum building. You see the excitement. You see the conversations going on. And you're going, yeah, this is it. And then Jesus goes and says something like that. I'm, I'm telling you, my first thought would be, what the heck did he just say? What did he just say? I mean, I was expecting something really, really amazing. Like, here I am, boys. Let's go. Let's get this party going. And he goes, no. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. And then he prays. He says, he says Father, what, what am I supposed to do? At this point, not keep going? No. That's the reason I'm here. So my question this morning for each and every one of us, doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, where you are in your walk with the Lord, doesn't matter. It's the same question every morning is the same question. What are you here for? What are you here for? Not here. Well, maybe here too. But what are you here for? What, what, is, what is your purpose on earth? Now, I was born in the, in the early 60s. And I used to hear things and hear my brothers and sisters who were older than me and obviously have seen the movies and read the books after, but everybody was trying to find themselves. Those of you who were who grew up in the 60s, did you, did you find yourself? Best one I ever heard was, guy goes, I found myself. I was right outside of Cleveland. That's where I found myself. That's where I was. But at some point in time, I mean, great philosophers always ask that. Why am I here? What's the purpose of life? What's the purpose of my life? Because you can, you can justify that, that somebody else's life is, is very meaningful and very purposeful and very important, but that's them, my life. You can take that so far that you don't think your life is worth anything at all to the point where why do I even exist and why don't I just end it right here and right now? Ever since I came to the Lord, I've known many people who have either tried to take their life or have taken their life. Too many people. Way too many people. And early on, and I'm not saying this is the answer, but early on I thought, man, if you don't want your life, give it to Jesus. I mean that sounds simple. I, I know I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be simplistic, but it's the it's the real answer. 
if you don't want your life. Because my life didn't matter. When I had walked away from God, when I had left Him, when I had run away, when I had, had rejected Him and told Him so many, so many words, I don't want you in my life anymore. The reality of that was my life at that point was worthless. Because if I had died, I would have, I would have spent eternity separated from God. If you don't want your life, give it to Jesus. Because He'll give you a life that's worth living. He'll give you purpose and a meaning. He'll give you hope. He'll give you, because He has more than enough life. More than enough life for you to live and everybody else to live. Since those days, I've never wondered who I was or what my purpose was. I've always known there is a purpose. I just need to follow Him. I just need to be with Him. I need to, my, my purpose is to be with Him. And in fulfilling that, in just being with Him, my life has meaning. But that life is no longer my own. The day that we made that decision, that's another thing that we never tell anybody when we're leading the Lord. Oh, by the way, your life is no longer your own. That needs to be one of the verses we talk about. Your life is no longer your, your own. It's been bought with a price. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. I don't get to live my life the way I want to anymore. Now praise God for all the verses that says that He gives us the desires of our heart. And that we live lives that are blessed. That they're full of meaning and purpose. That should be enough. <laughs> but you don't get to make those decisions anymore. Mainly because we'd screw it up if we made those decisions all the time. We have to follow Him. We need to listen to His voice. We need to hear His voice and then follow Him. The fear is, though, that he, he leads us in a direction we don't want to go. Or He asks us to do something we don't want to do. Or to be somebody we don't want to be. That's not, that's, not, that's not my plan. That's not what I wanted to do. That's the fear. But that is the way to overcome. Verse 11 of Revelation 12 once again says, And they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. It's not their life. It's His life. And wherever He led them, they decided early on that it wasn't their life to live anymore, it was His. Too many times. Here we are in 21st century world, 21st century mag 
sorry, magazine. In my head, I'm thinking of, remember Me Magazine, 1980s? Oh, so yeah, well, yeah, you don't remember anything from the 80s. In the 80s, a magazine came out and said it was called Me. Because it was very short-lived, yeah. Because it's all about me. Here we are in 21st century America where I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. And if there is a God, He'll understand. Because He made me me. And whatever I do is going to be good. Because I did it for me. And that's the saddest commentary on human life. It's not about me. It really isn't about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. All of this is about Him. Even if you don't believe it, it's about Him. Even if you don't believe He exists, it's still about Him. Even if you reject it, it's still about Him. It'll always be about Him. How do I know that? Because there's a verse in the Bible in Revelation that says, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's better to make that decision now. It's better to, to bow our knee today than when we have to, when we're forced to. It's better to do it of our own decision than when it's too late. Well, why can't he just why can't he just let me do what I want to do? Why can't he just let me live the life I want to live? Why can't he just leave me alone? I ask those questions as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old, 21-year-old, 22-year-old, 23-year-old. Why can't you just leave me alone? Matthew chapter 10. These are Jesus' words. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. says, I do not, or do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's hard words. Those are hard words. Any way you slice them, those are hard words. He's not advocating hating your wife, hating your mom, hating your dad. What he's saying is, if you value their opinion more 
than God, you're going to lose your life. What does that mean? I know a couple. You don't know them. You've never met them. You've never heard of them. Don't try to figure it out. I know a couple where the husband wants to follow God. I've talked to him and I've said, and this was years ago, I talked to him and said, Jesus loves you. God, God has a plan for your life. He did. And the guy says, I understand that. I know it, but I will not become a Christian until my wife does. He loved his wife. He loved his wife. And that's a good thing to love your wife. But he loved his wife more than he loved God. I won't get I won't become a Christian until my wife does. And if she doesn't, I guess I never will. Oh my goodness. That's the that's the line. You have to follow God even when nobody else does. You have to love him, or you should love him when nobody else will. When the whole world turns against you. And trust me, the whole world will turn against you. You have to choose to keep following Him even if no one else does. There came a day in my life after I rededicated my life to the Lord and I was still hanging out with the old friends that I had where they just they, they, they went from, from laughing at me and making fun of me to threatening me. Don't ever come here again, John. We're sick and tired of hearing about Jesus. My heart was breaking for them. I, I cared about those guys. I still care about them. I still hear about them and, and, and pray for them that they'll, they'll come, to, come to Jesus Christ. But they rejected Him. Full out rejection. Stop talking about Jesus. Leave us alone. We don't want to hear about this anymore. Quit coming over here. I had nowhere else to go. I had no Christian friends at the beginning. None. Zero. I'd go to church and it was all old people. thinking, oh, come on. For the first time in my life during those years when I was walking away from God, I actually had friends. People that I that really cared about, seemed to really care about me. And in that context, they did. They would, they would lay down their life for me. And I them. But as soon as I made the decision to follow Christ, that ended. Instantaneously. And when I came back to the Lord, I, 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 didn't, I didn't look, I didn't exude, I didn't talk like this fine specimen of Christian manhood, right, like that you see in front of you. I scared people, apparently. They told me I did. I didn't always say the right things. I didn't always act the right way.
I started going to a Bible study, thinking I, I, have to, I have to get to know some people. This is driving me crazy. I started going to this Bible study. It was all old people. They weren't cool. They weren't. They were old. But I went anyway because I knew I needed to find Christian friends. So I kept going to this Bible study. Every man I reached out to, I didn't reach out to the young women. I really didn't. Well, exactly. But all the men that I tried to befriend, all the men I tried to talk to, all of them would say, oh, hey, nice to meet you, and walk away. That happened for a full year, every time. For if I finally said, God, what is the deal? Why can't I have any friends? Why can't, why won't you, it was like he was resisting me. Like, why can't I have a, a Christian friend? I had no Christian friends. None. I would go home at the end of work and I would sit there all night long by myself. Now I read the Word all the time. I read through the Bible. I can't tell you how many times I read through that Bible in the first year. There might have been some method to his. But, I said, God, why can't... He goes, because your happiness, your joy, your sense of of fulfillment cannot come from man. It has to come from me. He didn't do what I wanted him to do. He he led me places I didn't want to go. I wanted to find cool people who listened to cool music. I thought... I was just talking to somebody about this recently. One of you here... When I came to the Lord, I thought I was relegated to hymns and cruddy music for the rest of my life. That was you. I know we were talking about that. I thought, oh no. I can't, I mean, I used to listen to cool music. He didn't care what I wanted to do. I'm just going to say it plain for you. I, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to burst any bubbles. But he doesn't care what we want. He doesn't. He knows what we need. And he knows what he, he desires for us to do. And that's what he wants for us. And the sooner we yield to that, the quicker we move forward. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In the days ahead, things are going to start happening, and and I believe they're going to start happening faster and faster. Some amazing things. I believe some of the best days for the church of God is are ahead of us. I think I believe we're going to see things that we have prayed for for decades. It's coming. It's it's on its way. It's happening even as we're speaking. But the thing that will stop it is us. The thing that will stop it is me. You. Our will be done. The only way we can flow with that is to change that to your will be done. I'm not going to talk about specific things yet that God may have you lay down. I think you're actually pretty aware of it. What kinds of things we each have to die to. 
in the last two weeks, three weeks since we've been walking through this and reading these verses and praying about them and, t- and teaching on them and all these things. There have been so many things that God has said, this is the way you used to do it, you can't do it that way anymore. Oh, come on! I've been a Christian now for only, you know, walking with God like this for, for 30 years. I'm a pastor. I have dedicated my life. What do you mean I have to change something? I've done it this way for this long. He says, stop. You can't do it that way anymore. You have to do it this way now. There's some things that he's asked me to pick up that I had put down years ago thinking that I wouldn't have to worry about it. And he said, start doing it now. What? You know that whole story about you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Get over it. I don't care how old of a dog you are. Get over it. There may be some things that, that God leads you to start doing and you're going, oh, I don't even know how to start doing it. Die. The answer is die. Not my will, Lord. Yours. I'll do it. I'll do it. He asked me to do something. I'll, I'll talk about this at some point in time. He asked me to do something recently. And I said, I don't know. I've never done that. I don't know how to do that. He said, sit down right now and start doing it. And I sat down and began to do it, and it flowed. I'm I'm as surprised as anybody else. Because why? Because it's not me doing it anyway. It's Him. It's Him. And as we allow Him into our lives and we say, okay, God, (laughs) I give up. Your will be done. As we allow Him that authority and that power, as long as when we give that over, He does it through us. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, does it through us. I guarantee you, this next year, there will be a laundry list of things that God starts to go, okay, we're going to deal with this. And you're going to go, ah, I feel like I'm dying! The sooner you die, the better it is. The sooner you just go, okay, I'm dead, let's go. And you work with Him. You, you flow with Him. You allow Him to do it through you. The easier it is. It's when we hold on to those things that it takes a while to die. And the long, I just, you know, I don't have to go into that. That hurts. But it's your choice. Bottom line, it's your choice. It's my choice. It's our choices. the sooner we say, yes, Lord. And that begins at salvation. That begins at that place. The first choice, the first place you lay down your life is when you accept what Jesus did for you. Because you can enter the... You know, a lot of people are walking through life saying, oh, I'm going to get there through this. I'm going to get through there through Buddhism. I'm going to get there through uh, that. And I'm going to get through that. I'm, here's how I'm going to do it. And they're wrong. They're wrong. They're completely wrong. They can't even do it good enough to be right. They're wrong. The only name in heaven and in earth and in anywhere by which men can be saved is Jesus Christ. That's it. And the only way to be saved by that name is to to humble yourself, repent of your sins, accept what He did on the cross. It's not even trying to be like Him. That isn't going to get you there. You can't do it that way. The only way is to do it His way. His way is, 
I can't do it. I repent for my sins. Lord, you get to be Lord of my life. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I'm in. What you did on the cross was for me. I'm in. Done. But that step for most people, that step for me was horrendous. It was hard to do. You don't have to wait till you're at the bottom to make that decision. You don't have to wait till you get your life in order to make that decision. The whole purpose of it is you can't do it. So let Him get your life in order. And it starts by allowing Him to be the Lord of your life. From there on out, it's every morning saying, Lord, Your will be done, not mine. Show me how to walk today. Show me how to live my life. Show me how to die to myself and to live to You. Amen? Ushers, prepare for the offering. A couple of quick announcements as they get ready to do that. They're going to have offering envelopes. They'll hand them out to you as they come around. Real quick, uh, there is still room and it's still possible to join the the classes on Wednesday night. Uh, Jerry's class, Hanging with Jesus, couldn't fit another body in the room unless we start stacking them up like cordwood. But, hey, it's exciting. And the room will get bigger soon. So come on out for that. There is still room, still availability, still be able to get a part of that. That is at 6.30 on Wednesday night. Also, parenting class. Parenting class. The Justins, right over here on that side of the room. Uh, they have they are leading the parenting class. There's still room. Uh, the cost for that is nothing. Uh, they can still get you materials, and you can catch up with what you missed. If you missed the first class, you can catch up with that uh, through video. They'll help you do that. Um, so that is still open. Also, the RVCC 101, finding out about us, why we do what we do, where we came from, where we're going, that class is still available. You can be a part of that. You've, you've, you've missed so little, I can say it to you quickly. Not this morning, but later. So, all those things are going on. Dinner is available for anyone. Anyone. Bring your friends, your families, bring the person on the street. $5 per person, $15 for families of three or more. That starts at 5.30 p.m. The dinner does. it. The last serving, everybody say the last serving, is at 6.15. 6.15. The reason being is, is that, I know, I, I get it, the reason we're having dinner is because people are coming in and you're coming from work and some, you know, I'm sorry, but at 6.30, some, everybody wants to get to their own class. So they want to be done at 6.15 so they can clean up and be in their class by 6.30. So 6.15 is the last serving. I want to read real quick. Uh, I got time. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 21. Uh, this is David's story about something that happened with David uh, after he had counted the people. He had done a, a, a census not directed by the Lord and... Because of it, he was, the, the people were being punished. And so David was directed by the Lord to go to this guy's house and buy his land. 2 Samuel 24, beginning with verse 21, says, And Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be averted from the people. Verse 22, Then Aruna said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. 
Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Aruna gives to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Aruna, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt sacrifices on it and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. It's about costing us something. Everything is. Everything in life, it's going to cost you. Cost you your will. It's going to cost you your plan. It's going to cost you your whatever. Giving is another area. Why do we give? Why do we? Why does He expect us to give? Is it because if God, if we, if if we, if, if we don't give, God can't supply? No. Literally, I am absolutely convinced that everything we need, everything, could materialize right before us right now. God has the ability to do that. It just can. But He He does it through giving through offerings this portion of it and why because it costs us something we have to make a choice to give of what we have to supply what he's leading you to give towards and so as we give look this is an area to die to ourselves. many times i've had to die to myself die to myself this money is not mine doesn't matter whether it's 10 percent or 50 percent it doesn't matter whether it's 10 percent or 100 percent it's not mine it's his and when it's his he can do whatever he wants to with it now this is a tough one for us for human beings for for americans because much of our self-worth is measured by money what we have what we don't have it's about costing us something and when it costs us something there's rewards when we when we give of something that is worth something to us there is rewards Last thing I'll say this morning about offerings is if you if you were a part of the uh, the the sorry I couldn't even do it with a straight face I'm sorry I was going to say if you were a part of winning the lottery this week tithing is a good thing I just wanted to mention that I couldn't say I was I was trying so hard to say it with a straight face Let's pray Father I thank you so much for these people I thank you Lord that they have ears to hear and they have hearts to follow you in every way of their life Lord we just Thank you. This opportunity to give today is just part of that uh, and really a small part. Money is nothing. It's not about money. It's not about stuff. It's about you. Father, but I thank you that this is part of it. And as we follow you in all of our life, Lord, lead us and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen.